what I see is uh, a, a, an epidemic that we have in this country of love deficit disorder. And I don't know if you would all agree with me, but um, I really see so much of a love deficit disorder, a, a sort of an impairment in the capacity to experience love and reverence and to be loved. And that leads to epidemic rates of addiction and depression and anxiety and disconnection and alienation and uh, dysfunctional politics, if I may say. Um, so um, I, I really hope that this talk will be the beginning of, um, of, uh, of a dialogue that we can have about how do, we, how do we heal this love deficit disorder that plagues us. So what is love? Is love saying that you love ice cream? Is that love? Um, I would propose not. Um, I propose that um, <laughs> that love is something different than loving ice cream. <laughs> um, I, I, I define love as uh, an attitude of reverence for life that inspires actions to nurture life. So it's a combination of an attitude of reverence and then action, attitude and action. So what does that mean? If, if that's the case, then is love a feeling, for example? And I would propose no. Although we can have loving feelings, and those loving feelings can inspire a reverence uh, for others uh, that can then inspire actions to enhance the, the lives of others, that just feeling loving is not actually love. Because the fact is, feelings come and go, don't they? Right? Uh, but love endures. Love is also not harming. If you feel harmed by somebody, you can be sure that even if they say they love you, if they're harming you, uh, their love is unskillful and it's not really truly love. The other thing is, uh, along with that feeling, is that love is not being in love. Uh, being in love is a temporary state of psychosis. <laughs> Designed by nature to get us hooked. Yeah. And hopefully, once, once, once the psycho psychotic phase passes, we're with somebody that we, we respect and that we like. And then we can begin the hard work of loving. Okay? So, um, I, I'd like to focus a little bit um, uh, today on, on sort of the attitude that inspires love. Because this is so important. Um, uh, they're, they're this attitude of reverence. Um, and then talk a little bit about the characteristics of love. Um, First of all, we, we want to make a distinction between an attitude and a feeling. The two are different from each other. I think of an attitude as sort of an underlying disposition. Feelings come and go. They change, right? But attitude is fairly constant. So if, you're, if your child throws their, their, their breakfast on the floor and kicks and screams uh, and you get mad at them, you're not going to kick them out the door and say, go find a new family, right? I hope you wouldn't do that. Anybody do that? <laughs> um, but, you know, you get them ready for breakfast and get them settled down and, and get them on the bus to school, right? Because of your loving attitude. It's an attitude which is sort of so different than, than just temporary feelings. Now, where does this attitude of reverence come from? I would propose that it comes from our degree of awakening. All of us are spiritually awake to some degree, each one of us. And the more awake we are, the more feelings of reverence that we have for this precious gift of existence. Where does awakening spring from? 
Awakening springs first and foremost for most of us who are engaged in a process of gradual awakening. Awakening springs from our practice of attending, being present, being present to this precious eternal moment of now. And when we attend, we look, and when we look, we see. And what do we see? Well, if we really pay attention, what we see is this moment is a miracle. Isn't it amazing that we are alive, that we can see, that we can hear, that we can feel, that we can experience consciousness? How amazing. So one of the first consequences of looking carefully at the obvious right before your eyes is awe. It's the experience of awe. I think when Eckhart Tolle wrote his book, The Power of Now, he should have retitled it The Power of Wow. Like, wow, isn't this amazing? When you really pay attention to this moment and you dehabituate to the miraculous and you see that this ordinary moment is truly extraordinary, the only natural feeling that can arise out of our awe is reverence. The other thing that we notice if we pay very close attention, if we get very, very present, is we realize that we are one with everything. We are all one. We are all one. And our sense of interconnectedness, our sense of interdependent oneness, inspires, uh, again, a sense of deep and profound reverence. Out of this experience of attending, out of the experience of awe and of unity, naturally arises the experience of love, the experience of reverence for this moment and for each other. What we realize when we wake up is to see that this moment is sacred, and you are all sacred, and I am sacred. This is all sacred. This is a large part of where this, this attitude of reverence comes from, is waking up and paying attention to this moment. Now, we can also inspire reverence just by going outside and paying attention to the, to the mountains and the flowers and the trees and to nature. Uh, we can attend to the, the miracle of, of, of our being here together. Think of the millions of lives and millions of people who contributed in some way to us being able to have this moment together. How incredible. So the practice of gratitude, a practice of appreciation, looking into your loved one's eyes, there are many different ways of cultivating this attitude of reverence. But it is this attitude of reverence for the miracle of this moment that then inspires us to act with, with, with love. The other thing that happens, if you attend very carefully, if you look very carefully, you will see. If you look, you will see. And when you see, understanding deepens. And what do we see when we look very carefully? We see that everything is impermanent. None of us gets out of this alive. We are all on this planet for a very brief period of time. And out of that seeing of impermanence comes a feeling of sadness. But out of that sadness comes incredible love and compassion. We see that this moment is a miracle. We see that there is grace all around us. We see the role of the ego that wants to feel good and not feel bad in whatever way is most expedient in the morning, in, in the moment, regardless of perhaps the long-term consequences for others. We also see, if we look very carefully, that there is no self. And we learn not to take ourselves personally. This is very helpful for cultivating an attitude of love. 
because if you see self-hatred or shame arise, you can see those as just misprogrammed products of your mind. And when you see that, then you can let go of an identification with that. Very, very important, uh, this concept of impersonality. Also, what you see is that life feeds on life. And all of us are here today by virtue of having consumed life over thousands and thousands of days. Every day we consume life to be here. And life can consume us as well. We have to be careful. So along with this attitude of reverence, there comes this attitude of deep and profound respect. Also, we see uh, when we look very carefully, it cultivates an attitude of humility because we see how imperfect we are. We see how flawed we are. And we also see that life is not about us, is it? Life is about the whole of life. And it's only about us to the degree that which we are a part of the whole of life. It's not all about us. That's sort of humbling to see that. We are one tiny sacred speck of life on a very small planet in a very vast universe in a minuscule slice of time of eternity. And when we see that perspective, when we really see the truth of that, it, it, it again, it evokes such a sense of powerful reverence and, and, and also humility. So uh, attending begets appreciation, uh, appreciation that this is sacred, we are sacred, uh, and that everything is sacred. So with that said, um, let's talk a little bit about the characteristics of love. And I'm going to list about 30 different uh, characteristics of love here, okay? Um, uh, Love is so simple and straightforward in some ways, but it can be so complicated and difficult, can't it? at other times. So let's talk a little bit about the the characteristic of love. First of all, love is a skill, and it can be developed through practice. And with practice, love can become a habit. Second, love is serious. It is literally a matter of life and death for all of us. Third, love is integrity. Love does what is true, right, and good, regardless of feelings to do otherwise. Love is work. Love requires effort. Sometimes it may feel effortless, but it is indeed effort. Love is wise. They say some people define love as the combination of compassion and wisdom. Uh, There are times when we can act um, in ways with loving intention that are unwise, like that story that we heard heard today. Um, uh, There have been many times, for example, in my practice of psychiatry, where I, out of loving intention, have maybe said something or done something with the patient, which in the end turned out not to be the wisest thing to do. And so wisdom is such an important part of love. Next, love is a choice. We choose to love because we want to, because it feels good to love, because we see that love is a better way than hatred. Love is also acceptance. Unconditional positive regard and reverence for others apart from any dislike of their behaviors. When I went to Tascadero State Hospital and first worked there, my first patient was a man who beat in his girlfriend's head with a baseball bat and dumped her body on the tracks. My next patient was a guy who didn't like his mother's boyfriend, so he stabbed him 50 times and cut off his head. My third patient was a pedophile who had uh, assaulted 10, 20 different young boys, uh, sexually assaulted them. I was called to love them, to care for them, 
to enhance their well-being. Being a psychiatrist is the practice of love. How was I going to do that? It really called upon me to come to a profound acceptance of these people as sacred beings, sacred beings, and to accept them for who they were with all of their evil and all of their destructiveness. And what I came to see was that they were sick in a destructive way. I, I had to come to see it that way. I couldn't see them as, as bad or evil people. I had to see them as sick in a destructive way. And to see that on a continuum, we all have destructiveness in us, don't we? We all have egos, right? So, uh, And all of us can be more or less skilled at loving. And all of us can be selfish and destructive, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But this profound act of acceptance is so important. And I would propose to you, for example, that with yourself, it is through acceptance of yourself that you enable yourself to transform. It's through the acceptance of others for who they are that we love them and enable them in their growth and healing and transformation as well. So acceptance is a very profound cornerstone of love. The next is love is affirmation. How often do you affirm people and tell them what is, what is good and what you appreciate about them? It's such a great practice to engage in. Also, love is authenticity, having the courage to be skillfully and appropriately who you are and say what is true and right for you. We are all so vulnerable to group think, aren't we? Going along with what the herd thinks, uh, not wanting to risk being rejected or criticized or being on the outside. But the truly loving thing sometimes is to say the truth, to say what is authentically true for you. Also, love is considered. It takes careful thought sometimes to, um, to figure out what is the best thing to do. I'm working with a patient right now who uh, is um, trying to care for her uh, a drug-addicted son. And the, the considered question is, do I keep paying for his rent? Is that the loving thing to do? That's the tricky one, isn't it? Isn't that tricky? Uh, and, and what is the considered thoughtful, it, it will do more harm or more good to pay for her, her son's rent. Also, love is contentment. Just the contentment of not needing more and more and more. This is the addiction to gratification, right? Gratification is a temporary thrill that is temporary. It goes away, and then we're left back with, uh, with boredom or with in a sense of inadequacy. But if we truly feel fulfilled in the act of loving, then we are content with this moment just as it is. Love is disciplined. We, do, we act to do, to do what's right, even if we don't happen to feel like it. Love is empathy. It's actively reaching out and making an effort to understand other people's experience and then express back to them your understanding. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is somebody says, I'm, I'm really upset about this and that, is for you to say, I really hear that you're really upset about this and that. And to be heard that way is such a loving thing to do. Love is endurance. It's putting one foot in front of the other during hard times. It's having hope and faith and keeping going. Love is collaborative. Uh, one of my, my deficits of my love, love is, in the past has been yielding, collaboratively yielding. I'm the guy when I was younger, if there was a parking spot right next to the entrance, I would slam on the gas to get to it before somebody else did. <laughs> yeah. 
or, you know, if you're going in line, right, and you see some people and, and they're all going to get in line, you sort of go a little bit faster so that you can get there first in line. Uh, not loving. Um, you know, maybe loving would be more to like, you know, stop and maybe let the other person go first or let somebody else choose where you're going to have dinner, um, you know, that night uh, to be collaborative and yielding. Love is hoping. There's research showing that if you have hope for your patients, that they actually do better than if you don't have hope for them. I think it's important for us to hope for each other, even when it's hopeless. Even when it seems hopeless, it's never hopeless. But even when it seems that way, it's so important to hope for each other and to hope for ourselves. Love is kind. If you have to be authentic and say something and say something that you mean, say what you mean, but don't say it mean. Love is nurturing. Uh, We nurture our own self-care, and we tend to support and encourage and cherish and care for others. Love is patient. Love is aligned with the ebb and flow of life. Love takes time, respectful of the fact that people have their own process and come to their own growth in their own ways at their own paces. Love is respectful. We respect others because they're deserving of our respect. We also respect their autonomy. One of the respectful things to do is not necessarily to give people advice. That's not necessarily loving to give people advice. Sometimes it can be, sometimes it can't be. But respecting other people's autonomy to make their own decisions about what they think is best for them, even if we strongly disagree, is a part of loving. Love is also repair and reconciliation. We are all porcupines at the ball, aren't we? We all poke each other, don't we? Isn't that true? So part of love is repair and reconciliation. It's about making amends. It's about listening to the harm that we've caused others. It's about empathizing. It's about showing true remorse and regret. And maybe, you know, if if you ran over somebody's fence by accident when you took a turn a little bit too early, maybe it's spending the money to repair their fence. It's about repairs, uh, reconciliation. Um, uh, and restitution sometimes. The next thing about love is it is universal. This goes back to the idea of acceptance. We love everybody. We are called to love everybody, even those patients that I have at ASH. We are called to love everybody. Even for some of you, maybe some political candidates that maybe you don't happen to like. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But are we not called to love everybody one person at a time? Love is also forgiveness, especially forgiveness of ourselves. Forgiveness is not something that can be legislated, but it's the conditions for condition to, for forgiveness to arise can be cultivated through the practice of understanding, empathy, and compassion. Love is also commitment. You know, they talk about relationships being 50-50. Uh-uh. No. No. Loving relationships are not 50-50. Loving relationships are 100-100. That's commitment. Okay. Uh, love is sometimes confrontation. Um, healthy relationships require repeated confrontation and criticism. Just ask Linda. She'll tell you. <laughs> Confronting a loved one requires caution, care, and rigorous self-scrutiny, because love is, the, is sometimes the cautious exercise of power. 
But don't we all need confrontation to keep ourselves on track, right? Is that not true? Love is also cautious. When you drive, wear your seatbelt. Life is resilient, but life is precious and also fragile sometimes. So it's important to be cautious. Love is limits. Sometimes the most loving thing to do is to say no. Right? If your child wants those gummy bears, the loving thing to do is to say no. 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 That's not good for you. Though those we love may be lost or unaware or unskillful, or they may be just plain wrong. Out of our love for them, we have a duty to give them feedback and at times set limits. Sometimes love requires limits. Love is devotion. Love, like commitment, is just a devotion to another person's well-being through good or bad, thick or thin. Love is leadership. Sometimes people need to be led. Sometimes we need to be led. We, we're all, we all need each other's help to get by. And love is humility. It's very important uh, to be mindful of our intentions and to be open to feedback, knowing that we are always wrong. All of you are wrong. I'm wrong. The question is, what degree are we wrong? And how much wrong are we at sometimes versus at other times? But we are all wrong to some degree. And that takes humility to see that. Love is reciprocal. Love for oneself and love for others are the same. In giving love, the giver receives. And in receiving love, the receiver gives. Love is generosity. Love inspires us to give with gratitude for love's sake alone, not expecting anything else in return. That's a difficult one, isn't it? How many of you have done something you know, generous or loving or caring for somebody? And then your little ego, nee, 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 there's a little part that goes, oh, I hope they appreciate this, right? I hope I get back some recognition and appreciation, right? Is that not true? Nobody ever experienced that? <laughs> But truly, but truly, truly love is generous of giving of ourselves ideally without expectation of anything in return or recognition. Love is also gratitude, expressing our gratitude to others and, and having gratitude for the 10,000 blessings. I don't, when you guys got up this morning, did you all express gratitude for your pancreas? <laughs> you didn't. Oh, my gosh. And how about your spleen? Or your adrenal glands. No? But there's so many things to be grateful for. The 10,000 things that contribute to making this precious gift of existence possible. Uh, Love is also helpful, right? We help each other out. Love is trustworthy. We're reliable. We're consistent. We, people can trust us that we will be there for them and relatively consistently not harm them or fail them or let them down. Love is also attentional. Love is about paying close attention. It's about stopping and getting out of our chatter, chatter, chatter head, getting silent, getting still, and looking the other person in the eye and listening deeply to what they have to say. That is love. Love is also intentional. We love on purpose, as the feeling of love does not necessarily arise spontaneously. Sometimes you intentionally do what is loving, even if you don't happen to feel like it. 
Also, love is time. Love takes time. You cannot love others if you do not spend time with them. If you don't have time for people you choose to love, they cannot benefit from your time. Love is also courage. I'm thinking about the fireman who goes into a burning building to rescue a child or the soldier who goes and and, uh, puts himself out there to protect his comrades, right? Sometimes doing the right loving thing to enhance life can involve risk. Sometimes it takes courage to say the truth and reject criticism and, and have a criticism. One time I had a colleague at work who's a fairly impaired individual, and she loved to trash talk her, the other physicians at the hospital. And one day I took her aside, and I called for a meeting with her, and I went and sat with her. And I told her that when she gossiped and, and trash talked our colleagues, that that made me feel very uncomfortable. And I asked her if she would please not do that anymore. And you know what her response was? She never spoke to me again. <laughs> you know, it's, it was a risk on my part to do that. Um, and it, it, and it, I don't need for her to like me. But I felt there was a need there to, to be able to speak out against something that I felt was wrong. Um, love is also accountability. You know, when you love, you realize you are not a victim and that you're 100% responsible for your successes and failures in life. You help others to be their best by holding them accountable, and uh, you also let others hold you accountable as well. Accountability is an important love practice. Love is assertiveness, right? We have to respect that life feeds on life, and we all have egos, right? So part of loving ourselves is being assertive and protecting ourselves from harm or exploitation, asking for what we need, right? If you're at work and you haven't had a raise in a year, maybe you need to ask for a raise. Maybe that's something you need to do to assert yourself. Love is also risky. Uh, A life fully lived will be a life of both joy and pain as the essence of life is change, and change comes with inevitable losses and challenges. Love is growth. It can be uncomfortable. People will, by default, do what's comfortable rather than, and, and familiar rather than what's good for them. It's an unfortunate part of our default nature. But to be truly loving is to do what is good and right, even when it's uncomfortable and unfamiliar. Love can be very painful. For example, in the case of my patient, to say to them, look, um, I will support you, but you have to get sober, you have to pursue recovery, you have to be in treatment, you have to give clean, uh, negative urine drug screens, and if you do all those things, I will continue to support you. But if you don't do those things, I'm not going to support you materially. That can be painful, right? But sometimes the most loving thing to do for somebody can cause them great pain. Here I distinguish between pain and harm. Right. Pain is not necessarily harmful. Sometimes pain is the greatest gift. Look back at your own lives. I think back on the times that were the most painful for me. And those were the times of the most learning and the most growth. Okay, Um, I'm being I'm being cute here for time. So I'm going to finish up in a couple minutes here. Okay, Uh, love is also faith, knowing that love is the best way forward. Love is self-sustaining. It's self-replenishing. Love is also enduring in this world of impermanence where nothing lasts. The one thing that lasts and is endurable is love. 
Love is also an ideal. It's the rare person who loves perfectly all the time. If there's anybody here who loves perfectly all the time, could you please see me after the sermon? I would like to talk to you. Um, Also, love is essential. It's our deepest desire. It's even deeper than our desires for survival and comfort. So, in conclusion, love is what makes life fulfilling. Love is what gives life meaning. Love, the fulfillment of love, transcends mere superficial gratification. Uh, Love can be complicated and difficult. It requires effort. Uh, Sometimes it can be natural, but sometimes it can be uh, something that requires a a lot of discipline uh, to be able to do and a lot of thought because it's not always clear oftentimes what the most loving thing to do is. Love requires wisdom, caution, and thought. And we all love imperfectly. I wish that, that, I hope that this uh, talk has benefited you in terms of your understanding of, of this, this uh, complex uh, behavior of love and that it will help you to grow in your capacity to love. Thank you.